continuing the series on repentance from dead works, which is the first out of the six foundational doctrines taught to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And uh, we've been looking at certain aspects of this doctrine from the point of view of um, what dead works are. Uh, we've looked at repentance and we've dealt with that earlier teachings. And we've seen that dead works are in fact sin. And so we've been dealing with the aspect of sin and just um, how it influences the life of the believer and how it is possible for the believer to overcome sin in their lives. Um, and we've seen uh, various aspects up, up until now. We're dealing with the topic of the fact that we have been made free from sin. As believers in Christ Jesus, this is a reality. And we need to learn to walk in that reality um, so that we can experience the blessing thereof. And so one of the things that we had a look at is the fact that our spirit cannot sin. For it is our spirit that is born again. Um, and our spirit is born again of the incorruptible seed of God, uh, which is the Word of God. And so we saw that our spirits can't uh, sin. Um, there is no capacity in our spirits to be able to commit any sin. Um, the, in the epistles, John the, the Apostle wrote, and he said, He who is born of God cannot sin. And so we see that we cannot sin um, in our spirits, for it is our spirits that are born again. And then we had a look at the fact that we can sin in our flesh, and it is only in our flesh that we can sin. Um, and we had a look at the fact that our flesh is made up of these earthly tents, these bodies that we dwell in, and also made up of our carnal minds. For when we come into the kingdom of God, our minds still have to be renewed. And so our minds are carnal in their thinking when we come into the kingdom of God. And our minds have to transition from being carnal in their thinking to becoming spiritual in thinking. And that we do through spending time in the Word of God and renewing our minds, as uh, we saw in the book of Romans, chapter uh, 12, verses uh, 1 and 2. And so this, this, this earthly tent that we dwell in um, contains the sin virus. And we saw that our earthly tent, our bodies, are descended um, through the bloodline from Adam. And uh, they have the sin virus dwelling within them. And when we come into the kingdom of God, we get new spirits. Our spirits are born again. Our minds have to be renewed. But our bodies do not change. Our bodies continue to carry the sin virus. And um, they will only be changed when we received our resurrected bodies, when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. And so while we're dwelling on the earth, we dwell within a body that is contaminated by sin. And we had a look at... Um, what Paul taught us along this line in uh, the book of Romans chapter 7. Uh, he went into great detail about the fact that when he came into the kingdom of God as a baby Christian, um, he wanted to serve God, he wanted to do what God had instructed him to do and to live uh, a righteous life before the Lord. But what he found himself doing is the complete opposite. And so when he you know, went to the Lord about it and trying to understand what was going on, the Lord revealed to him that it was in fact sin that was in his body that was causing him to then commit sin. And so he recognized the fact that there is such a thing as the law of sin and death which resides in our bodies. Um, but the Lord didn't leave him there because the Lord then showed him that in Christ Jesus, the one who believes in what Christ uh, in us can do, they are well able to overcome sin in the flesh. And um, he then taught us along that line in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 7, as well as in chapter 8. And then also in Galatians, we had a look at the fact that he who is in Christ has crucified the flesh. And so Christ is the only one who was able to overcome sin in the flesh. For our Lord was um, dwelt in a body, uh, the Bible talks about, in the likeness of sinful flesh. And so when Jesus dwelt on the earth... He dwelt in a body that was subjected to the same uh, passions as our bodies are, uh, for it was this, uh, the same type of body that we dwell in. But the difference between us and, and our Lord is that our Lord never uh, um, committed any sin. So he never allowed his body to dominate him in any way and thus commit sin. 
and he overcame sin in the flesh. And so we saw that our Lord has done quite a lot of things for us with regards to sin, in that he was made to be sin for us. Um, he became sin for us that we could become his righteousness. Uh, he cleansed us from all of our sin in, through his blood, in that our sins have been washed away through his blood. He paid the price for our sins, for he went down into hell and he suffered three days and three nights for all mankind's sin. Um, but not only that, when our Lord was on the earth, he condemned sin in the flesh because he lived the sinless life in a body similar to ours. And so he is the one who was able to overcome sin in the flesh. And Paul realized that. And so Paul realized that if he exercised his faith in Christ dwelling in us, for Galatians 2.20 says, It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me in the life I now live in this flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we live, um, it is actually Christ living in us. And that's what Paul learned, that if he would exercise faith in Christ living in him and through him, that uh, he was well able to overcome sin in the flesh. And so sin could no longer dominate him. In fact, he taught us that sin shall not have dominion over you. For we have died to sin um, in Christ and we have been set free from sin. And so it's very important for us as believers to understand that truth. And we said that unless we um, walk in that reality from the point of view of exercising our faith in that, we'll never experience it. Because uh, the, the overwhelming number of uh, believers in, in the church believe that sin is far too powerful to overcome in this life. And uh, they classify themselves as sinners. But we saw that the scriptures never teaches the church that she's a sinner. She, uh, the scriptures teaches the church that we're saints. And so it, is, it was never the Lord's intention that once we come into the kingdom of God and we're washed clean from our sin, that we then continue in sin. We're to uh, walk free from sin from the time we come into the kingdom of God. And we can do that by exercising faith in Christ and his ability to live through us and thus overcome sin in the flesh. And we are then able to deal with sin in the flesh. Um, and so we saw really that our spirits can only walk in righteousness and our flesh can only walk in sin. Those are the two opposites um, that we experience in our lives as Christians. Unbelievers don't experience those opposites because their spirits are spiritually dead. They have the nature of their father, the devil. And so their spirits and their flesh are in complete alignment and there's no conflict there. But in the life of the believer, there is a conflict that, that arises because the spirit is born again and has now taken on the nature of God the Father. Uh, but the flesh still has sin residing in it. And so whereas the spirit can only walk in righteousness, so the flesh can only walk in sin. And these two are completely contrary to each other. Let's have a look at a scripture, um, and we want to touch on today, specifically we want to look at the fact that there are in fact two different types of sin. It's important for us to understand these concepts because uh, it just clarifies issues that arise and questions that arise um, as to what one scripture means compared to another scripture, because otherwise scriptures do get taken out of context, and then people say, see, well, that's what that really means, when in fact it doesn't mean that at all. So we're looking today specifically, the, the, the topic of today's discussion is the fact that there are in fact two types of sin uh, revealed to us in Scripture. But let's just have a look at this one particular Scripture. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish now when it talks about the flesh and the spirit he has talking about the human spirit not talking about the holy spirit the holy spirit doesn't um, lust against my flesh uh, it is my spirit that lusts against my flesh and it's my flesh that lusts against my spirit and that's the two that are contrary to each other um, and they're completely at odds with each other, and the two cannot be reconciled, for they are of different natures. Um, and so it is important for us to walk in the Spirit, for one who walks in the Spirit will walk in righteousness, 
Uh, one who walks in the flesh will walk in, in sin. That's as simple as that. That's pretty much the, 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 the gist of what the Christian is faced with. You have, we have a choice at all times. We can either walk in the spirit or we can walk in the flesh. If we choose to walk in the flesh, that's it. We're going to be walking in sin because this, the flesh can only commit sin. It has no capacity for any righteousness. Uh, on the other hand, our spirits can only walk in righteousness and they have no capacity for sin whatsoever. So obviously the wise choice to make as a believer is to walk in the spirit and to not walk in, in the flesh. Um, and so we've also had a look at the, the various aspects of man. We've had a look at the fact that you know man is a spirit. He has a soul, which is our mind, which is what we have to renew. We live inside of our bodies. We have a conscience. We dealt with the conscience earlier in a series of teachings. Um, and that conscience is given to all men. Even unbelievers have a conscience. And their conscience is there to convict them to do what is right and to prevent them from doing what is wrong. Not everybody listens to their conscience, but even believers have a conscience. And their conscience does exactly the same uh, thing as it did before we were saved. It doesn't change in its function. And then we have our will. And it is really as, a, as an act of our will that we decide which way we're going to go. Um, remember we're saying that uh, your spirit wants to live in, for God in righteousness. Your flesh wants to live for um, the devil in sin. And so as an act of our will, we decide which way we're going to go. Are we going to walk in the spirit or are we going to walk in the flesh? That's where our will comes in. For ultimately, the will of man reigns supreme in the makeup of man. Even the, even the spirit of man doesn't reign supreme. It is the will of man that reigns supreme. Um, because it is as an act of our will that we choose to walk in the spirit or we choose to walk in the flesh. So the flesh can't dictate to me which way to walk and this, my spirit can't dictate to me which way to walk. I choose as an act of my will which way I'm going to walk. And so now we want to have a look at the, the aspect and the, of the nature of sin itself. And the one scripture we want to open up with uh, to discuss that this afternoon is in 1 John chapter 1, beginning at verse 7. Uh, the Apostle John writing to the church, he says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, talking about our Lord Jesus, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so this is a very uh, important passage of Scripture, because this particular passage of Scripture seems to contrast with other passages of Scripture. Uh, certainly contrast with what uh, we've been discussing so far, that we can walk free from sin, because in verse 8 he very clearly says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive, we, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Um, but in, in another passage of Scripture, the same apostle, Apostle John, said, He who is born of God cannot sin. So how can, we, how can he say in the one breath, He who is born of God cannot sin? And then he says in verse 8, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The two statements are contrary to each other. And uh, people say, you see, okay, that means you, it's impossible for believers not to have any sin. Because if they go around saying that they are, are not sinning, they're deceiving themselves and the truth is not in them. Well, on, on the surface, that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like John is contradicting himself. Um, because he, in the one uh, account, he says, he who is born of God cannot sin. And then he says, anybody who says he has no sin, he's deceiving himself. So, you know, how do we reconcile those two opposing statements? Um, well, some people would go the route of saying, okay, well, it's because John was talking purely about the Spirit. And he said, it's, and when he said, he who is born of God cannot sin, he meant purely the Spirit. And that's correct. That is exactly what John was referring to. The Spirit of man cannot sin. And we've dealt with that pretty much at length. However, in this particular passage of Scripture, it says, if we say we have no sin. So what is the we we're talking about? Okay, so he's saying All right, it must be the flesh, because we've said that um, only the flesh can sin, and the spirit uh, cannot sin. Um, 
And so some people have taken that particular, um, not doctrine as such, but that view and said, okay, well, God doesn't hold me accountable for sin because when I commit sin, it's my flesh that is committing sin, not my spirit. My spirit is the real person who I am. My flesh isn't. And so God doesn't hold me accountable uh, because it's my flesh that's committing the sin, not me, the spirit. But that's not what God is saying at all, because in this particular passage of Scripture, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so God is looking at us as a whole person. God never um, differentiates between the sin of the spirit and the sin, uh, which cannot sin, and sin of the flesh. God has taught us. It is, we understand this truth because this truth was revealed um, to the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit. And we understand the difference between the flesh and the spirit. However, in this passage of Scripture, God is dealing with the whole person. In verse 8, he says, if we say that we have no sin, he doesn't say if we say that our spirits have no sin, or if, if, if our flesh has no sin, we deceive ourselves. No, he's, 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 uh, God is dealing with the whole person because sin has to be dealt with. And we've, we've men mentioned that already, that... Um, God doesn't put sin under the rug and, and try and hide it away. Sin has to be uh, dealt with. If, if sin is committed, then there is a consequence that has to be uh, paid for the sin that is committed. And so when he says, if we have no sin, um, he's talking about the whole man. He's not talking about the, the, the flesh um, only. He's talking about the spirit and the flesh combined in that particular passage of Scripture. And so we get the people that then take that particular passage of Scripture and they say, well, there you are. That just proves now that it's impossible for Christians not to sin because it, the Scripture says that if we, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves because everybody has sin. So again, how do we... But that's not what, what the Bible teaches us either because we've seen very clearly that uh, we have the choice. We can choose to walk in the Spirit, or we can choose to walk in the flesh. And if I choose to walk in the Spirit, I will not sin, because my spirit cannot sin. We've kind of made that very clear up until now, and John also speaks about exactly that same thing, that the two, the Spirit cannot commit sin. So I have this capacity, I have this ability to either walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. Um, and if I choose to walk in the Spirit, well, then I'm not going to sin. But then I still got to deal with John's comment um, in that he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So how do we reconcile the two? Well, we reconcile the two by understanding that there are, in fact, two categories of sin. And those two categories are known sin and unknown sin. Um, known sin is sin that I knowingly commit. Unknown sin would be sin that I commit unknown to me. I didn't know it. I, I committed that sin in ignorance, unintentionally. It wasn't my um, intention to commit any sin, but the sin was committed nevertheless. And that is really where um, John is coming from when he says that um, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Because look at what he says. Let's go back to that particular scripture again uh, from verse 7. He says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Now, there's a qualification for the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse me from all sin. And that qualification is, I have to be walking in the light. If I'm not walking in the light, then I do, that, that uh, statement is not applicable to me. Let's read it again. It says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, talking about Jesus, and the scripture is very plain to us. John teaches us as well, in him is no sin. There's no sin in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Um, he is light. There is no darkness in him at all. And so there's no sin there, there's no darkness there. And for me to have fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and for me to enjoy the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing me from all sin, I need to be there. 
I need to be walking in the light as he is in the light. If I'm walking in darkness, and if you go look at the, uh, John's writings, to walk in sin and to walk in the flesh is, to, is one of the same as to be walking in darkness. Um, so if I'm walking in darkness, I don't enjoy this because this is only applicable to the believer who is walking in the light as he is in the light. Then I'm having fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ and then the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing me from all sin. And, and then he goes on to say, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so we're getting to the point of getting to understand why it is that there's these two categories of sin, because that particular passage of scripture applies to unknown sin. It does not apply to known sin. The unknown sin, let's just go back to the old covenant. Um, under the old covenant, whenever the Jews committed sin, they were required to offer a sacrifice uh, to cleanse them from their sin. Uh, and that happened all throughout the year. As they um, committed sin and they knew about it, they would then go to the temple, they would offer up the, the, sac the appropriate sacrifice, God would accept that sacrifice, and their sin would be atoned for. However, once a year, what would happen is on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go into the temple and he would offer a, a, a cleansing sacrifice for himself and for the whole nation. But that sacrifice was only offered for all unintentional sin that the Jews had committed throughout the year and sins of ignorance. Because... They couldn't go during the year to offer up a sacrifice for their, their, their sins that they didn't know about because they didn't know about them. And so once a year, God had this uh, yearly sacrifice that would come in and the high priest would offer this particular sacrifice for the whole nation, for all unintentional sin that they had committed and sins that they had committed in ignorance. God would then accept that sacrifice and for another year, uh, the atonement, that, that sin was atoned for. And they were not held accountable for that sin. But the only way they could offer that sacrifice is once a year. And so that is the difference between known sin and unknown sin under the Old Covenant. And the scripture we can have a look at, which would just help us to understand that, is in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7. The scripture says, but into the second part, talking about the second part of the temple, the holiest of all, um, because the, the temple was, always, was divided into two parts. You had the holy place, the holy part, um, called the holiest, more holy, and then the holy of holies, which was behind the veil. And th that is the part that the high priest could only go into once a year. And this is the scripture. He says, but into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in, committed in ignorance. And so that is what that sacrifice was for. People used to, a lot of people think that the Jews could only you know, get forgiveness for their sins once a year and then they had to wait until the end of the year before they could get forgiveness again. No, that's never the case. As they committed sin during the year and they, they were convicted about they knew about it, they would then be required to go and uh, confess that sin and make an offering for that sin. But once a year, all the sins that they had committed unintentionally, because they, didn't know, they weren't intending to commit sin, or sins that they committed in ignorance because they didn't know any better, that's when that particular sacrifice was offered before the Lord. Um, and that cleansed them of the sins of ignorance. Now, under the new covenant, the sins haven't changed. Uh, we still commit sins of um, that we know about. In other words, you know, we, we, we've done something wrong. I've committed sin. I need to now sort that out. And we still commit sins of ignorance. In other words, we commit unintentional sins and sins that we don't know that we've committed. The only thing that's changed between the two covenants, the sin hasn't changed between the two covenants. But what has changed between the two covenants is the sacrifice. Whereas under the old covenant, the sacrifice was a bull and a lamb uh, and blood of animals. Under the new covenant, the sacrifice is Christ Jesus our Lord and his blood. Now his sacrifice was offered once for all, for all sin. 
known sin and unknown sin, um, intentional sin and sins of ignorance are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, he's gone into the holiest of all, once for all, and he's offered up the atoning sacrifice to God the Father for all of our sins. So, what happens to, we're dealing with the sins of our, that we commit in ignorance now. Well, those sins are cleansed automatically as we commit them. They're cleansed. So it's not once a year that we have the, our, our sins, sins of ignorance cleansed like the Jews did under the Old Covenant. Our sins of ignorance are cleansed instantly the moment we, uh, we, we commit them. That's what this particular passage of Scripture is referring to in um, 1 John chapter uh, 1, verse 7 and 8. This is why he's saying, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us, present tense, from all sin. So as I'm, com as I'm committing sins of ignorance, the blood of Christ is cleansing me from those sins straight away. Because don't forget, um, in him is no sin. And he is light, and there is no darkness in him. And so in order for me to enjoy fellowship with the Lord, I cannot have sin in my life. If, if, I, if, I, if I'm walking in sin, I cannot fellowship with him because in him is no sin. And the two can't join together. There's no fellowship there. And so there's a separation. My sin is now separating me from having fellowship with the Lord. Now, don't forget, my spirit is not committing sin. My spirit stays sinless because the Holy Spirit resides within me. But we're talking about God holds me accountable for sin as a person. He doesn't say, okay, well, Mike committed that sin in his flesh, but his spirit's still fine, so he, I'll still have fellowship with him because, you know, I, I, I don't look at the sins of the flesh. No, God looks at me as Michael, and if Michael commits sin, whether, you know, he's committed sin only in the flesh, which is all we can do, um, God recognizes that as sin, and so that's it. My fellowship is cut off with him. I cannot now enjoy fellowship with him because in him is no sin, and now I'm in sin. I've stepped into darkness when I've committed sin. And so it is vital that, because now don't forget, sins of ignorance and unintentional sins, I know nothing about. So I can't do anything about them because I don't know I've committed them. And so what God has to take care of them, and the way he does that is that he treats my sin of ignorance just like he did to the Jews, in that their, their sins were paid for once a year in their, uh, under the, that covenant. Under the new covenant, verse 7 kicks in, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. These are the sins that we have, we're committing all the time, which are unintentional sins and sins committed in ignorance because we don't know any better. And that is what John is saying. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Because James also said, he says we all stumble in many things. And the reason that he says that is because there is a lot of stuff that we do wrong, which we don't know anything about because... Uh, we, we just don't know any better. We're still growing in think, the things of the Lord. And so what is sinful to me uh, today may not have been sinful to me when I first came into the kingdom because I didn't know any better. But now I've grown in the Lord, I know some stuff. And so I know, okay, well, I shouldn't be doing that anymore. And I'm jumping ahead of myself, but that's really the gist of it. But that's what 1 John 1, 7 and 8 is really referring to. When he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. He's talking about unintentional sins that we commit and sins that we commit in ignorance, which all of us commit on a daily basis, purely unintentionally. We didn't intend to say something that is hurtful to somebody. We were just talking in a conversation and somebody was offended with what we said. Now, there was no intention with what we said to offend that individual. And in fact, we walk away from the conversation, not even realizing what we've offended the individual because the individual keeps it to themselves and doesn't confront us. And so that's an unintentional sin that's been committed. A, a sin of ignorance is you know, God doesn't like this in our lives and we do it, but we don't know any better. And so God, those are the sins that Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ is constantly cleansing us of all the time, which is why we are then able to have fellowship with him 
all the time. For in him is no sin. And he, because his blood is cleansing me all the time, I'm talking purely about the unintentional sin and the sins of ignorance now. This is, remember, we're dealing with the two categories. We'll get to the known sin now. But unintentional sin and sin committed in ignorance, I'm committing all the time as probably. And what happens is God, the blood of Christ is just washing that sin all the time. All the time I'm being cleansed. And so I can thus walk in the light as he is in the light. God never holds me accountable for unintentional sin and sins committed in ignorance. The blood of Christ has dealt with that and continuously deals with that um, as I go through life. Because I don't have the annual sacrifice that the Jews had where I now go, okay, once a year I get before the Lord and say, Lord, I've committed all these unintentional sins. I don't know what they are, but they, I must have committed them. And so I just ask you to forgive me all through the past year. No, because I don't know what they are and God does. And he needs to have fellowship with me all the time. I need to be in fellowship with him all the time. And so sin cannot be a barrier between the two of us. And so he takes care of my unintentional sin, my sins that I commit in ignorance, all the time, as and when I commit them, they, they, they're dealt with automatically by the blood of the Lamb. And so that is how God deals with unintentional sin. But now we come to the other category of sins, which is known sin. And this is where we get held accountable now. God expects us to um, confess our known sin. Um, 1 John chapter, um, 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I can only confess a sin that I know about. I can't confess a sin to God that I have no idea that I've committed. And so this is what he's talking about in 1 John 1, 9, are my known sins. These are the ones I have to confess before the Lord and receive his forgiveness for. And he, he's faithful and just and he does forgive me for those sins. But these sins will only be dealt with once I confess them and repent of them and ask His forgiveness for them. They don't get, these sins do not get uh, taken care of automatically because I know I've committed this sin. I've been convicted. My spirit has said to me, you shouldn't have done that. My conscience says to me, you should not have done that. You should not have said that. And so I know that I've committed the sin. And it doesn't get, uh, done, away, it doesn't get done away with. It doesn't get dealt with. Until I come and I apply 1 John 1, 9, and I get on my knees and I say, Lord, I, I'm, I messed up. I'm sorry. I repent of that sin. I ask your forgiveness. And he, straight away he does it because he's faithful and just to forgive me my sin. His, his whole agenda is to keep me in fellowship with him and to keep sin away from me so that I can um, walk with him and grow in the things of God. So God doesn't hold a, a grudge and say, no, nah, well, you, I know you forgive me, but you committed that same sin yesterday. So, you know. Now, today, I'm, I'm going to wait five minutes before I forgive you. No, the moment I repent of my sin, I confess it and I ask his forgiveness, he's faithful and he's just to forgive me my sin. That's it. It's gone. Clean. And I'm back in fellowship with, with, with him. Now, let, let's go back to that other passage of scripture again. Because remember, we said there's a condition that has to be met in order for the blood of Christ to be cleansing me from all uh, unknown sin. And that condition is, I have to be walking in the light as he is in the light. Verse uh, 7 again. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. And so, in order for me to enjoy that, I have to be walking in the light. In order for me to be walking in the light, I have to have no known sin in my life that had not been dealt with yet. So if there's something that I know that I've sinned against God or sinned against my brother or sister in Christ, uh, or against anyone for that matter, and I haven't dealt with it, and I haven't confessed it, I haven't replied 1 John 1, 9 to it, uh, then I'm not walking in the light. Now I'm now walking in darkness. And so I do not enjoy the blood of Christ cleansing me from all sin. So what happens now? When I, uh, when I commit a known sin, I step into darkness straight away. That's, uh, uh, John's uh, writings are, are very clear on this issue. You can only be in light or darkness. There's no gray area in Christianity. There's not a case if you have one foot in the, in the light and one foot in darkness. Now, don't forget, again, our, our spirit is completely in the light all the time. Our spirit has no sin in it, 
cannot sin. However, the person, the whole person, Michael, uh, spirit, soul, and body, uh, conscience and will, is now in darkness. My spirit has not become darkness. My spirit is still light. But my spirit joins my body and everything else about me in walking in darkness because it goes where my body goes. And so I've now stepped into darkness. Okay? While I'm in darkness, I'm now, I'm still now, I've only committed the one sin. Let's just say, I don't know, we committed the sin of, of hating an, a, a brother in Christ. Okay? So now I'm walking in hatred towards that particular brother. I've now stepped into darkness because... I've committed sin. And light and darkness are two opposite poles. It's not a case I'm now in a gray area. And so half of me is walking in the light, half of me is walking in dark. No, no, no. You can only walk in light or darkness. And so I've now stepped out of light into darkness. I'm no longer enjoying fellowship with the Lord or with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I might think I am, but I'm not. That's, uh, that's how simple the Bible really is. I'm in darkness. While I'm in darkness, something else is happening. I'm committing all those sins of ignorance and unintentional sins continually they're still happening but now the blood of Christ is not cleansing those sins anymore because I'm not in the light I have to remember the condition for that to happen that the blood of Christ cleanses me from all of my sins of ignorance I have to be in the light and I'm not in the light anymore and so all of the sin is just piling up and I'm just getting further and further into darkness and it's not a good place to be and so that is why it's so vital for us as, as believers that when we commit sin, to get it clean, sort it out as quickly as possible. Because to have more and more sin building up in your life, because it's all unintentional sin at that time, but it's still there. It hasn't been dealt with. It just has a, a negative impact on our, our walk as believers. There's just so much stuff that, that, that occurs. Um, and obviously we've stepped into Satan's realm. For when we step into darkness, he is the God of this world. And this world is a world of darkness. And that's where we, we've now opened the door for our enemy to have a go at us uh, big time, for want of a better word. Um, and so that is the condition I have to meet in order to enjoy um, his blood cleansing me from all, all my sins of ignorance that I, that I commit. Um, I have to make sure that I have dealt with all of my known sins because that is my responsibility. First prize, don't commit the sin. And we've dealt with that in the previous teaching about the fact that if we allow uh, Christ in us to live through us, we won't commit sin. <clears throat> but if and, do, if and when I do commit known sin, this is what I have to do. I have to deal with it straight away. I must take 1 John 1 9 and apply it to my life straight away. And you know, just believe it. Because once you've confessed it and uh, asked for forgiveness, as I say, Jesus does not say, all right, well, you know, this is the 25th time in the last two days that you've committed exactly the same sin. So I'm, as a, as a punishment, I'm not going to forgive you right now. Come back to me tomorrow and then we'll talk and then I'll forgive you. No, the moment I, for, I ask for forgiveness, he cleanses me straight away. And I'm back in fellowship with him straight away. And I have to believe that and then act on that as if that's the case, because that is the case. Because as far as the Lord's concerned, it's done. It's, it's settled. It's not an issue to be brought up with again. And so we must never get into condemnation about sin that we've committed and we've asked for forgiveness. Obviously, we have to be genuine. And God, you know, He looks upon our heart. He knows when we're genuine. Um, to just flip in these, oh, Lord, forgive me, and not mean that, not repent of it, knowing full well you're going to go back in and out there and sin again. Ah, uh -uh, not going to happen. You, we are, God's not to be mocked. And so we, you know, he looks on the heart. He knows when we're genuine. But when we are genuine, that's it. Just don't allow the devil to then come because he, he knows what you've done, just like you know what you've done, just like the Lord knows what you've done. And so don't allow him to then come back on you and say, yeah, look, at, remember what you did and how you behaved. It's gone. So, you know, I forget those things which are behind me. They're under the blood. Uh, Jesus doesn't remember them anymore because he said, I will no longer remember your iniquities. And so, you know, Jesus doesn't remember them. You also choose not to remember them. And, you know, if Satan ever tries to remind you of them, just uh, tell him where to get off because it's got nothing to do with you. It's under the blood of, of, of the Lamb. And so that is what we're meant to do. We have to deal with this, any sin that we commit intentionally. Now, again, as I say, if we choose to walk in the Spirit, that's the first prize. First prize, we don't commit sin. But the Lord has put this in. He knows 
our weaknesses. He knows that you know we're going to miss it from time to time, and this is how he deals with it. But I also wanted to just um, put the two scriptures into into perspective. The one that where John says, you know, if you're born of God, you can't sin, and this other scripture that says, you know, if anybody says I have no sin, well then he's deceiving himself. Uh, that's what uh, John is talking about in, in context. Um, that is how we uh, we can reconcile the two statements. Now, one of the things that also happens as we grow in the Lord um, is that when we come into the kingdom of God, because there is a growth process that takes place, when we come into the kingdom of God the very first day and for a period of time, we commit far more sins of ignorance than we do commit known sins, purely because of our lack of knowledge, because we're still carnal in our thinking, and we haven't yet renewed our minds to be to, to transition from carnal thinking to spiritual thinking. And so we commit sins that, you know, other Christians around us look at us and say, whoa, I don't know how you did that. Um, but to us, as a baby Christian, we didn't intend to commit sin. We didn't know it, that, that was wrong. And so the Lord holds us accountable at that level. And so that falls under the category for me as that baby believer. It falls under the category of sins of ignorance. And the Lord deals with it in that category. And His blood cleanses me straight away. Um, and so, I, because I know so little, I I'm, I'm going to commit fewer known sins than I'm going to commit uh, more unknown sins. Do you understand the, the correlation? And so that is what happens when you come into the kingdom of God. However, as we grow in the things of the Lord, our knowledge of God's word becomes more exact, and we start to learn, okay, well, that is actually not right, and I shouldn't have been doing that. And so that, when I've learned something now out of the word of God, and we'll give you an example now, um, that now becomes, if I go ahead and do that, that now becomes a known sin to me. Whereas the day before, before I knew it, before I'm seeing it in the Word of God, when I committed that same same sin, it fell under the category of unknown sin. God dealt with it straight away with His blood, without me even asking Him for it. The day after I get to see the revelation in His Word, that's wrong. I shouldn't be doing that. Now if I go do it, now it becomes known sin to me. It's now taken out of the category of unknown sin. It is now under the category of known sin. And in order for me to get that sin dealt with now, I have to now apply 1 John 1 9. I have to now confess it, repent of it, and ask for forgiveness, and then it gets dealt with. So that's how it happens. But it's a progressive growth process. And as I grow in the things of God, so I find out more and more of what is acceptable to the Lord and what is unacceptable to the Lord. And I, I get to learn more of what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing as a believer. And so my known sin, whereas before I had a whole bunch of unknown sin, very little known sin, now as my growth happens, my, my known sin starts to climb and my unknown sin, my sins of ignorance, starts to drop um, because the Lord expects me to be held more accountable as I grow in the things of God. Simple as that, not complicated. A scripture we can have a look at is in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through to 10. He says, for you were once darkness, talking about when before we came into the, into the kingdom of God, but now you are light in the Lord. And so we are light. Our spirits are light. Uh, God our Father is the Father of lights, and we are the lights that He is the Father of. And so we are light. The Bible will not only walk in, in the light, but in fact our spirits are light. And then He goes on to say, walk as children of light. Children of light. God the Father of lights. In Him is no shadow of turning. And so, we, uh, you know, we're children of light. God is the Father of, light, of lights. Um, God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. Verse 9. For the fruit of the spirits is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And so here we see that as we grow in the things of God, as we become more mature as believers we begin to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. And so we find out this stuff that I'm, I, I was always doing up until now, actually this is not acceptable to the Lord. I need to start changing here. And so now my growth process starts to kick in. And I'll stop doing what I used to do because I only now have found out actually that practice is not acceptable to the Lord. And so I stopped doing that. 
And that's what we talk about. And that's also, uh, you know, we, we grow in the things of God and we need to walk in the light of that which we have received from the Lord. So let's give it a pretty crude um, example, but it's an example that I'll use nevertheless because it's quite uh, illustrative of this particular issue. Let's talk about the sin of adultery. Okay, so you get a guy or woman coming into the kingdom of God and may have been living in adultery before they came into the kingdom, before they were born again come into the kingdom of God and now kind of realize straight away because I mean you know, the Ten Commandments are out there and the, most of the, uh, the Western world certainly knows these things and says okay well adultery is not, not on the agenda anymore um, because that's unacceptable to the Lord and so I no longer commit sin of adultery and so that is now a known sin for me. I'm a new born believer I used to commit adultery before I came into the kingdom of God, but now I know that that's not right. And so I stopped doing that because now that is a known sin. However, what I haven't yet learned, because I'm still finding, I mean, most of us, we come into the kingdom of God, we've never even opened a Bible before. So we don't know half of the stuff that's inside there. But now I go grow in the things of the Lord. And um, right, let's just, before I grow, let's just, okay, so I've stopped committing the uh, sin of adultery because I know that that's wrong, and so I don't do that anymore. But um, I still look at a woman to lust after her. In other words, you, these, the guys look at the, the, the ladies, and they, you know, they, they have these weird ideas and all that kind of stuff. So that thought process is still out there because he doesn't yet know the truth that he's seen in the Bible, and that truth is that our Lord says, if you look on another woman to lust for her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. And so that truth has not yet been revealed to him. But as he grows, and so it's a couple of months down the line, he sees that in the Bible, and somebody, and he asks about it, well, what does this mean? And somebody explains to him, you know, that's what the Lord is actually saying. You see, you cannot look at another woman uh, lustfully in your heart. You've got, you've got to treat uh, women as mothers and sisters, and that's the relationship that you have with them. And so now he's, there's an enlightenment that's come his way. He's now learned something new of what is acceptable and what is unacceptable to the Lord. And so now that which he was, because all the time up until he stopped committing adultery as he came into the kingdom of God. But in that two, three month period while he's still learning, he's still been looking at women like he would look at women before he came in as, as a, a, a carnal person. Um, not realizing that that is actually also not acceptable to the Lord. And so he was being cleansed by the Lord for that sin all that time in that three month period. I've just put in three months as an example. Um, because the Lord knew that he did not yet understand that truth. He hadn't yet been given that revelation. Now, three months down the line, he now gets that revelation. Now, for him to go and practice that, it becomes known sin to him. Because now God's revealed it to him. He's understood it. He said, okay, Lord, I understand. I shouldn't do that. I'm going to stop doing that. And so, he, 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 by and large, he should then just stop doing that. But if he goes and does that after that time, it doesn't get cleansed automatically anymore. Now he has to go and confess that to the Lord. He has to repent of it and he has to ask for forgiveness. And the Lord is then faithful and just to forgive him that sin. And so that is the difference between known sin and unknown sin and how it impacts on our walk with the Lord. And it's so important for us to realize that God treats um, sin... Uh, how do I get this across? The whole person, God's holding, God holds us accountable for sin. So God does not ever look upon the person and say, okay, well, it's his flesh that's sinning. It's not his spirit that's sinning. So I'm just going to forgive him. And that's not a problem. God never looks at sin like that. We commit the sin. And so the sin has to be dealt with. God deals with it in one of two ways. Either it falls into the category of unknown sin. God knows my ignorance. And so God recognizes that, and that's when he applies uh, the blood of the, of the Lamb uh, to that sin automatically. Or God looks at him and says, no, no, you know better. You shouldn't be doing that. And so now I don't forgive you until you come and confess that and ask for forgiveness. And that's what we have to then do in order to get that cleansed. And it's the sin that separates me from fellowship with the Lord. And there's no getting around it. When we commit known sin, unknown sin never separates us from fellowship with the Lord. It is known sin that separates us from fellowship with the Lord. And obviously fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Um, and when I, when I commit known sin, I step out of light, I step into darkness. And the, the, the whole responsibility is on me now to, to get it sorted out with the Lord so I can step back into the light. Until I do that, I cannot come back into the light. I do not enjoy fellowship with the Lord. Um, and there's a whole lot of weird stuff that starts to occur in my life because now I have uh, stepped into a, a realm that I'm not designed to walk in. I'm designed to walk in the light. We're children of light, the Bible says. And we should walk in the light. Let's look at that again. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And that's where a lot of people miss it as Christians. They think, well, I'm, a, I'm light in the Lord. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I don't care what you say. I'll just carry on doing whatever I want because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No, the scriptures never teach us that. They teach you you are, we're light in the Lord, but it goes on to say straight away, walk as children of light. So you can be light and not walk as a child of light. You can be light and walk as a child of darkness. And when you do walk as a child of darkness, being a child of light, because that never changes, you're still the child of God. Um, God holds you accountable now for the way you're walking. That's what, that's what sin does. God holds us accountable for the way we choose to walk. Uh, and if we choose to walk in the flesh and we choose to walk in darkness, we will then pay the price for that. And uh, I trust that you understand the difference between the two uh, categories of sin. And because you understand that difference, you understand the conflicting uh, scriptures. The one that says, he was born of God, cannot sin. And the other one that says, if anybody says he has no sin, he's lying. Um, and that's where the two come, uh, how you, we can reconcile those two scriptures by understanding the concept of what sin is all about. And we're going to end the teaching on that point today.